You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. Okay. Hey, how much, like, how long can you have a, a bidden for, do you reckon, a bidon, a, a water bottle? Before it becomes toxic, like at what level do you th- do you throw them out? It's just I'm concerned about some uh, of the bottles that I'm running at the moment. <laughs> if you're seeing green stuff on them, uh, black stuff, uh, that's usually the time to uh, get rid of no, them. No, I clean them in that, but like, do they do they degrade, or does it get to a point where it's like, yeah, you know, not the best thing to be drinking out of. <laughs> Yeah, you got me on that one. Uh, Usually, yeah, my wife sort of comes down and says, this is disgusting, and then it goes. Yeah, yeah, I I reckon I've got one today from Auckland (laughs) 70.3 that looks clean, but I'm like, is it really the one that I can look at? I don't know. We're asking the big questions early, Kevin McKinnon, Phil Rockner here, Life of Try, swinging back into another week of fun. Uh, welcome to you, sir. Um, we've asked the big questions early. I think, I think we got off on a rippingly curious topic. Um, the world's opening up though. Melbourne's opening up, um, uh, as of 6 PM Friday, which is in, well, by the time this comes out, it'll be probably in a day or two. Um, exciting times. Melbourne's unlocking, uh, travel is unlocking. People are carrying around e-certificates of vaccination. That's what's going on here, uh, which is, I suppose, you know, if you've got it, it's good. If you're against it, then your life is going to be a lot more, uh, you'll have to be more strategic, I think, because there is a, down here at least, Kevin, there's a no show, no eat, no show, no go kind of setup. So if you can't, I was at a dinner the other night and they said, if do you have it? And I said, well, here it is. And I said, well, what happens if I don't? And they said, well, we ask you to leave. So the new world. Yeah, no, we're, um, you know, here in Canada, yeah, we're still having an issue with um, with people who aren't vaccinated. My wife's a public health nurse and, um, you know, she's having to deal with um, cases and it's, you know, pretty much people, you know, there are some breakthrough, va- uh, breakthrough infections where people who have been vaccinated are getting COVID, um, but those are really rare. Like it's it's mostly the people who aren't vaccinated. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I am a monstrous fan of uh, all the restrictions. You know, if if you're if you're not vaccinated, then yeah, I I don't see any issues. Uh, obviously, the people who for you know, some sort of medical reason can't do it but uh those are pretty rare so yeah i mean if you're coming off yeah hopefully uh here in in ontario you know the big news was the the premier announced that you know all of the restrictions would be done by march um Mm. but who knows you know like it it's that that's a wonderful goal and uh, there's an election coming so he wants to you know look like the the good guy um for that but you know who knows where we're going to be at this is uh it's been a much longer slog than any of us anticipated. Yeah, I mean, you kind of the first year last year where everyone was baking bread and we'll get through this kind of mentality in lockdown and then it got to fuck you by the end of it, you know. And that's where we got. We got escalating cases per day while people are in lockdown. 
So it'll tell you where people's minds and what they were doing, their behaviours were at. Um, but it, the good news is, I suppose, so, on all this, is if you're double vaxxed, you could essentially, we can start looking at local racing again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and here's the question. I, I'm probably jumping your cue and, and, uh, but I, I'm dying to know from you. So I was doing this Florida story about, you know, and we're going to talk about the cyclone bomb and, and all that stuff. But, um, but I can't figure out, and hopefully you can help me, who's going to be allowed to race at Western Australia? So, you know, I, I think there's a $50,000 prize pool or there's, you know, reasonable money there. Mm. But if you're not from, is it Perth? Will you be allowed to race there? Mm. Yeah, unless you live within, I think, 11 meters of the course, you can't race it. <laughs> so so this is wild, right? So for those of you who might be geographically unsure of Western Australia, it's in the west of Australia, um, but it has it is a big state and every year it has Ironman held in Busso. And, of course, you and I probably, I mean, I've been there, I reckon I've been there about eight or nine, maybe ten times. Uh, a lot I've of times. I've only been there the one time. Mm, it's amazing. I, you know what? I, <laughs> I can remember driving Eniko Lanos, the uh, the great racer down there. It's a th- so you you fly into Perth. You 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 stand around Perth Airport for about seven hours, and then you get a car if you can get one, and then you drive it down to um, Bustleton, which is about three and a half hour drive south of Perth. So you're heading away uh, from the capital. And Nick Munting, the great Nick Munting, um, who, for those of you who know, he's like was an Australian stalwart. He's he's no longer with us, unfortunately. But a, you know, a good bloke. But Nick loved a story, right? Nick, man, he loved a story. So we we hop in the car for our three hour jaunt. Within probably seventeen seconds, Enrico Lanos was asleep. And then <laughs> oh, Munting told me story after story about the eighties in triathlon. Uh, for three and a half hours yep. to the point where I was veering off the road at one point <laughs> just trying to end the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that would be Nick. Nick, uh, we, we used to joke that Nick used to just memorize the uh, media guide from Kona. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just and just run through all of that. Yeah. And, you know, each year I, I remember driving Joshy Ricks, who was fourth one year in a truck down there. Elizabeth Christensen and I sat in a bus for about 22 hours going down there one year. Like every year there's a story, you know, going down to that joint. It was, um, you know, I think Dally Carr and I would have traveled down there together at one point and taken us probably double the time because we would have stopped the car laughing so much. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great race. I, my so the uh, the the time I got there just before the race, uh, Josh, I can't think of the other Josh. He used to work for Iron Man. His last name. Yep. Um, I know, he yep. calls me and says, "Hey, do you want to do you want to go for a helicopter ride?" So just before the race, I was in the helicopter that was out uh, looking for sharks. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> do you know what so though? The, the little shark alert, and um, saw the biggest shark i've ever seen in my life and they're i think would it be a whale shark or something and they're like oh yeah that's just a whale shark that's okay we're just looking for great whites correct yeah. and uh, do you know and I- so i watched all the athletes you know just dive into the water to swim around that pier knowing that there was this monstrous shark out there yeah uh, but they weren't worried about that. One. No, you can pat whale sharks. They're nothing. Um, they're, they're, they're nothing. <laughs> no, as someone who spends a lot of time in the ocean, um, the, the ones that you worry about are the grey ones. They're the ones you got to worry about. Um, 
but it was weird because we used to do the um we used to do the carbo night remember they used to do the carbo nights and you'd have yep every- i remember seeing you up on the stage at that yeah, one yeah and we'd we'd run up there and every year and do the carbo me and a guy called simon beaumont who was just the most wonderful professional uh, and radio announcer locally there, but he was a really good triathlon knowledge as well. So me and Bowie would get out there and do our thing. And one year they said to us, listen, man, there's been a spate of shark attacks in Western Australia. Do not get out there and make your usual shark gags. Because we'd get out there and go, hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you, uh, you know, go for a swim, the sharks won't go after you. They only go after things that are like seals. And at the same time, we'd flash up a photo of a dude wearing a, you know, um, an orca a wetsuit or something like that, you know. Um, that always brought the house down nervously i may say but then they told us to stop making jokes about sharks because they were so prevalent you know like they're really um and then in was it uh the world surf league they gave uh they had to give a pass to one of the events too because of the shark out there as well and a third one kevin if you can believe this was on the saturday before the race and a friend of mine was walking the pier now there's this huge pier i think they call it a jetty out there you're not allowed to call it a pier they walk out the jetty, and it's the longest jetty in the Southern Hemisphere, and it goes for about, I don't know, like 1.4 or 5 kilometers. It's so big that there's a train line that runs out there. So by the time you swim around it, um, you're a K offshore in that part of the world, in that ocean where there are, you know, big gray things that swim. Um, and a buddy of mine was walking down the pier that night just trying to clear his head before the race, and lo and behold, six-foot shark just cruising down the pier. Or jetty, um, and he'd rung the. Saying I'll see, you. yeah. Saying I'll see you in the morning, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, getting a nice little workout in here before breakfast. Yeah, no doubt. And I, you know, friends of mine, we used to swim around. Like when you used to go there, you'd swim around the jetty, you know, for you, you know, for mucking around. And he used to hide behind the pylons and come swimming out behind you and grab your leg and stuff. Just shit that you did not need to happen was happening. Um, <laughs> But so we've taken a long-winded approach, but I mean, Bustleman's the most beautiful spot. Uh, sharks aside, I mean, again, they are very careful. The organisers now are very careful, and um, and I will say that they are experts and they have the right people around them uh, to make sure that the race is safe. So I want to put that out there. If you're thinking of going there, forget all this talk. It is, you know, we haven't lost one yet. Um, but Western Australia is bolted shut. So you think of Western Australia with a large pair of doors out the front with a dude standing there with a shotgun and padlocks everywhere. There is no one coming in and no one coming out. Um, it really is locked down. They have zero cases in that state, none, none whatsoever. And the talk is at some point they're going to have to open up, right? At some point they're going to have to open themselves to the world. It's a huge thing for two reasons. A, because psychologically the people who live in Perth and live in Western Australia have gotten so used to being COVID zero that, you know, they're watching the rest of Australia um, gain national recognition for numbers of cases that are rising and gaining worldwide recognition for having the longest lockdowns. They got locked down for about four seconds. So there's that aspect. So they're, they're, their citizens aren't going to want to see the borders open anytime soon because psychologically they are in a spot where they think COVID is zero and it doesn't affect them. As soon as you start allowing people in, you get case numbers and case numbers we know multiply quickly so that's the first side the second side of it is that they're going to have to suck it up at some point and open their borders because of tourism the other things that drive the economy so we're hearing maybe november now again everything in that joint is open to change but i would say the 
a mass participatory event with people from the east coast of our country and internationally, uh, it, I would be shocked if that happened this year. So Ironman Western Australia may just be a locals only affair. Wow. And so, you know, and similar to, was it Cairns uh, in, uh, in 2020 yeah. where you know, I feel like there were 200 people and at least 75 qualifying spots um, for Kona is uh, Western. So Western Australia could be a, um, a shoe in race to uh, try and get to the worlds. If you happen to live in the right spot. Yeah. Punch your ticket. I mean, you know, the people of Bustleton, you know, when you go there each year and, you know, you go down to the, um, you know, the fat duck and the, the bike shops down there, they're, re- they're so hospitable, right? Like they're really hospitable. So they'll be hurting on this one. Um, the local economy gets a huge injection of money from both the government to run the event and also the athletes who go down there. Because generally, once you've driven that far to get there, like it's a full day travel from my place, let alone internationally. Um, they head, I think, another 30 or 40 minutes south and you hit Margaret River, which is, you know, if you're a wine connoisseur, you are in heaven, my friend. Like it is the most heavenly wines down there and it's super touristy, great roads, um, you know, and a really good spot. So, you know, there's a lot going on down there that they're going to want to open and at some point they have to open. It's just how they do it. Um, the problem obviously, is, and they may get around it by the whole double vax thing. If you're double vaxxed and you're COVID, you know, you pass a test or whatever you can get in, I, you know, there'll be those sorts of protocols that they'll have to put in to ensure the locals yeah. aren't going to freak at this. But right now, no, yeah. nothing's happening. You know, um, they had a major sporting event there um, and people from the East Coast were trying to get in and they were knocking back people left right and center even double vax people with you know family there that they can quarantine with and all that other stuff they were still you know saying no nah, you can't come in you can't come in so they're that strict on it so um at least the eastern coast the east coast is opening up you know sydney's opened up um victoria obviously is next um and there's a lot of racing in those two states and then hopefully then we sort of see this drifting through now and and people can start to you know, get back to some sense of normality because I think the um, the sport has suffered and, and now it's time to kind of rebuild on that. And, you know, races will be selling out quick out here. There'll be sort of a lot of people trying to get there. Um, but one race that didn't happen at all, I mean, and... and Yeah, can you imagine, like, can Iron Man even buy a break these days? <laughs> like, no, unbelievable. No, no, and, you know, triathletes are such whims, you know. Seriously, could we not have had a race anyway? You know, (laughs) (laughs) they they were calling it a cyclone bomb, dude. I I don't think this was uh, the day to be racing. No, I'm only teasing. Uh, It's look, yeah, the Ironman statement basically said that they can't provide an acceptably safe swim and bike environment. Um. You know, and it's not just the athletes. It's people who are spectating, volunteers. You know, the last thing you need is anybody, you know, losing their life to something like this. There's just no way that the um, uh, organisers can handle that. And they made the 100% the right – did you see the footage? Jeez. Yeah, no, it it was – you know, I saw a little bit of the stuff. I I started to research a story and then I thought, you know, know, this is – we've already done this one to death, but – 
um, they got uh, basically they got a quarter of the year's rainfall in one day. So, um, and the previous record had just been just over five inches. Sorry, I'm not sure what that is in centimeters. I should have checked that, but um, they, uh, it was just over five um, from 1880 or something like, you know, when they first started measuring uh, rainfall and um, they broke that record on the day. So yeah, this was, um, this was just, you know, record setting day and, Uh, California, I guess, is in desperate need of rain. They just didn't need it quite that hard and that much. And um, the other thing, oh, yeah, I just wanted to mention, too, like, you know, you also don't want to take away the first responders and the police and all that stuff. So, you know, those guys have other more important things to do during a cyclone bomb than sort of escorting triathletes through a course. Yeah, couldn't agree more. um, Totally, as you say, the right call. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's not it's not. The bigger picture here. And yes, it's disappointing because we were all looking forward to watching Showdown and, and you know, all these great athletes and, and Fredino getting beaten. We're looking forward to that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Figures you have to put that in there. Um, so if if Fredino doesn't go to Florida and Eden goes to Florida and wins, does that mean he beat Jan? Uh, I'm going to call Jan Skeddy Cat, um, you know. <laughs> From a distance, because you know we, we still look. We all know Jan's awesome. He will never beat me at table tennis. That's never going to happen. Um, you know he picked a you know with his fancy table tennis on Instagram. He, he picked a fight with a dangerous man. Um, but no, I look the Florida should be where everyone some of these guys land. It's it, you know they, everyone's trained so hard for this sort of thing, and it's a really um, it's a shame that they don't get to show off. Um, you know, their, their speed. And it's a shame that, you know, us as, you know, those who enjoy watching really good races, we don't get to watch the show, another, you know, really good show as well. Um, and that's a shame. But again, as we said, safety first. Uh, but I <laughs> got to love Americans. They don't call, it's not even just a, not even just a cyclone. It's a cyclone bomb. It's, you know, it's <laughs> really got to underscore how bad it was, you know. Um, speaking about bad to good, uh, Portugal this weekend, uh, Johnny Brownlee has a 70.3 debut, ends in a sixth place. Were you expecting more from this guy? Um, yeah, you know, I it was funny because I even wrote in the story, like, we were all so hyped up around California. Um, you know, I pretty much missed this until after the fact. Um, so I wasn't expecting anything because to be honest, I, I, I didn't even check the Portugal, uh, pro list ahead of time and then saw the results. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, um, I, I was wrestling with myself. Like, was I surprised that, cause he was in second at 15 K. Yeah. So it was over the last six K that, um, it, things, you know, quote unquote fell apart. The guy still ran 72 minutes for, for a half marathon. Um, he was only three seconds slower in the half marathon than the winner Magnus Ditlev. So it was actually a, you know, pretty reasonable race. It was just, you know, there was a bunch of guys around him who, um, really picked things up over the la- that last six K and he just didn't have that, which, you know, it, it's been a pretty long season. He went to the Olympics, won his gold medal in the in the mixed team relay. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that he would have had the 
long run prep impossible. I guess probably when, you know, you, you need some of the long bike to run prep to be able to truly do that transition. So um, I, I am pretty confident that Johnny Brownlee, if he decides to go this route, is going to figure out that uh, that run stuff and and um, and be pretty awesome at this. So not, you know, not a huge surprise, but uh, I, you know, I when I was looking at the results, saw him second at 15K, I was like, huh, I, I would have expected him to hold that. But um, yeah, you know, some some quick guys in there. Ditlev, uh, the guy's on fire. He's certainly riding up a storm. And uh, hey, Aaron Royal, mm-hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about that. You uh, you know, there's another uh, you know previously short course dude moving up, and uh, from your neck of the woods. Yeah, look, Aaron's probably looking at other. You know, I mean, again, I can't speak for the man, but you know, I just think after. Um, after uh, Olympics and, and that sort of stuff and with the furor around triathlon Australia at the moment and the athletes and, you know, the pasting that those athletes copped, uh, it is nice for him, I think, just to go out and, you know, find a race that is a little bit more low-key um, and do what he's done. He's come second, put in a really good effort and, uh, look, you know, there's no doubt he is loaded with talent. I'd like to see him do more of this. Um, you know, I just feel, I feel at the moment with not just, you know, with the Australian program, I just feel that there'd be a lot of disillusioned people, you know, a lot of people who are just at this point wanting to, and again, I'm not an insider in triathlon Australia by any stretch. And if you know me by any stretch, you know, that TA and I have had a history of no fun. Um, at one point I was the thorn well and truly in their butt, um, as they ran numerous um, things into the ground. But in saying that, I would just think with what Emma Carney's doing, you know, with the public criticism and the accusations, and we're not going to get into that, but obviously there's enough being written and said about that. Um, it, You know, Aussie athletes in that program would be, I think, pretty happy to be out of that environment for the moment and, and doing this sort of thing. And, you know, anybody who's in the Olympics, in Olympic Games is clearly – better than the average person and by that by a long stretch um often they don't get credit for that but it's nice to see him come back and and do a race and and you know get himself back on the podium you know and a few obviously good lads around him um yeah it's it's good i would think he and and a nice segue from you know what can only be really uh tumultuous you know post-olympic games and everything else yeah, well, and hey, it's the after the Olympics, we see people move up, right? Like, there's only so long that you want to be living that life where you're dependent on the federation. You know, this is, uh, I think, oh, well, we could do a whole podcast about this, but I, I, I feel like this is the, you know, World Triathlon does so much for the sport, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, the the fact that the federations control who gets to go into races um, <clears throat> just makes for this crazy environment um, where you develop this kind of stuff um, that we're seeing in Australia, our, our Canada Triathlon Canada is doing a you know an independent review of of its uh, high performance program right now. Um, you know there, there's when the the federations when they control all of this stuff um it just 
can be a not fun environment. So I think once you're done your Olympics, uh, if you want to stay in the sport, moving up to 70.3 Ironman is in many ways the logical thing to do because that's how you can make a living. Yeah, I just checking to make sure we're still recording because I'm about to agree with Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I you are. I mean, you are. We are in marching in lockstep on this. I think it's like this, right? If you're an athlete at the Olympic program and you go, "Hey, I'm looking to go over here and do cool race," and your director will say to you, "Well, no, we want you to go and get some points at shit race," and you go, "Yeah, but I want to go and do cool race," and they go, "Well, no, you're in the program. You have to go and do shit race," and you're like, "But I don't. There's no discussion." You're off to shit race when cool race gets done by everybody else, you know, and you miss your window on, on various races and things like that. And, you know, with Super League coming up and and those sorts of things that are now paying money and contracts and things like that as well and TV exposure and all the things that these independent races are now starting to offer, um, I, you know, as Olympic athletes getting told to go to crap race all the time versus going to cool race, you know, eventually cool's going to win. And eventually, you know, young athletes are going to come through a pipeline and start going, this is not for me because I'm being told where to race. I'm being told how to race, what the tactics are and things like that. And that's not race fixing as being reported. Race fixing is fixing a result, you know. Writing tactics and things like that is at the discretion of any federation. I'm not going into what goes on in a race. But you're right, Kevin. I reckon it would be really fatiguing just to be told all the time where and what. And, you know, obviously there's athletes who have got say in it. I'm not saying there's not. but And, and of course, the federation point of view is they've got an agenda. You know, medals equals funding. You know, they've got a program to run. They've got goals to set. They want to get their athletes there and they want to try and get as many qualified as they can and all the other things. I get that. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of distraction out there. But there's, there is a happy medium. And, um, you know, you like you look at a program like Norway – um, you know, Christian's racing 70.3s, as is Gustav Eden, all that stuff. They've, they're have they able to figure out a happy medium yes. for a lot of this. Stuff. Yeah, Gomez has been doing and, it for years. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's always been happiness. I think sometimes the Spanish Federation would have preferred him to do other things. Um, and, and I know that uh, Bahrain 13... Uh, has had had wanted um, um, him to move up uh, much earlier um, than he has, but hey, you know, there all of this stuff can get worked out, and that's. But um, as I said, you know, I come back to the the issue starts when it's the federation to make these calls um, and ultimately have control over the athletes, and that's just not a good scenario. No. No, and I, you know, and like I said, there are too many disruptions at the moment. There are too many things going on, and I know, I know, you know, calendars can sink and stuff like that. But I like your idea of that happy medium, and you know, and I'm not just talking about triathlon Australia on this one either. I'm just talking about in generalities. You know, I'm not privy to anything that goes on in the TA camp, and um, I don't want to speak out of turn on that. Other than to say, you know, the federations, as we know, do control race schedules and who does what. So uh, everybody's got agendas to meet. Um, good programs, I would think, would want to retain athletes. So you retain athletes by keeping them happy uh, and allowing them a balance. And, you know, there's a lot of good racing around the world and a lot of good uh, series that are coming up. 
certainly opportunistic athletes would be searching for those things. Um, now, let me just... Maybe that's a question that we should uh, ask Lucy Charles Barkley and Jan Ferdano. <laughs> what a segue. You are such a professional. Um, if I had a spare $223 a year, the hell I would ask Jan Ferdino and Lucy Charles Barclay anything. Uh, I wouldn't ask, even for two bucks a year, I wouldn't do it. Um, why am I talking about this, you ask? Well, yesterday, Jan Ferdino and Lucy Charles Barclay announced that they're working with a new app called Any Question. While there's a promo offer of a buck US for the next week, and then on, you'll fork out. 15 bucks a month for the privilege of asking the pair, along with the likes, I'm clearly reading something, of Javier, Javier, Jesus, Javier Gomez, Lucy Charles Barclay, Flora Duffy, Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld, any question. Now, I'm going to give you the presser here that you've put up on your beautiful uh, website, which is Triathlon Magazine Canada, the gorgeous Triathlon Magazine Canada. Subscribe to the wisdom you want straight from world-class experts. The app description reads, ask a question anytime, get exclusive video answers and interact directly with the pros and other fans or followers. And it goes, for the fans who want the real deal straight from the source. Uh, to be honest. Yeah, now, in yeah, and I loved, uh, you know, in that story, Sky Munch had some fun with it, uh, posting, uh, you know, if you have any questions for me, feel free to just hit my DMs. <laughs> I'll probably answer it free of charge. She's the best. So good. Well, no, you can um, eat damn yeah, me. So, and, and in their defense, both Jan and and Lucy kind of say, hey, you know, th- no one has to do this. We're still going to do stuff on our other platforms. Um, you know, the, the idea is that it, you know, as Lucy Charles said, Lucy Charles Barkley, the new app is unique in that it will be full of experts from all different fields sharing their knowledge. And, um, you know, for Jan sort of says it's something to close the gap between podcasts and social media, more personal and direct. Um, but yeah, I guess, and Phil, I, you will know more on this stuff than, than I, but I feel like there's a glut of social media um, apps coming out right now with this sort of idea of interacting. And um, I just do any of these last and work like you know instagram's not going anywhere facebook isn't going anywhere despite all of the facebook papers that are coming out right now i just don't i just don't see how these work no i I think it's complete crap um sorry i'm just you you, captain cynical out here i understand what they're doing i get what they're doing it's a commercial arrangement the list of people there though like seriously what am i asking any of them half of these people if i am a you know a triathlon person who wants to know more information i'm generally going to go to a coach not an athlete uh secondly i would think that um the response time would be you i mean what what do they guarantee in terms of response if i'm paying you money do i expect a response within 24 hours within five minutes is it coming is it going to be you know how much if i'm asking a question like gee yarn what sort of bike should i get i'm thinking about a time trial bike is he going to say anything other than canyon is he going to say, you know what, Phil, <laughs> jump on a Cervelo, have a swing at one of those? So they're constricted and they're obviously compromised by their sponsors. So the answers you'll get will be biased. None of it makes sense, mate. You know, and I understand that you could ask them about training, but even so, if they say to you, hey, take a training supplement and by the way, take yarns training for, and I'm just using yarn as the, as the there's a whole list of people. 
I don't know what Talbot Cox is offering, but I, what am I asking him? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't see it. I mean, there will be people here who might get excited about, you know, interacting with Fredino and you might just want to say, hey, man, you know, I'm going to do a Ironman. Have you got any tips? But there's nothing on the internet that you can't find that you for free that you need to then, you know, ask someone directly to get a video back. And it might be a little kick too, though, if you, you know, sign up and get someone to give him a shout out or a, I, I don't know. I don't, it, this is complete. I'm not the target market though, Kevin. I'm like the grumpy old Muppet no, and, man and, sitting there and, doing this. And neither am I, um, you know, and, and I, I hate to sound like the old white haired dude. <laughs> Um, so I just did well, from the Muppets, like, <laughs> but you know, it's just another, uh, to me, it's, it's just another sign of the challenge we have in the journalism world right now, where people are going every which way, all kinds of other sources for their, for their information, you know? And, and so we post, you know, I, I, I can't believe some of the great stories. We posted a great one on diets um, yesterday, and we've, uh, you know, we've got all this great training info that doesn't necessarily get a lot of hits. Um, and it's just so frustrating you know, that we're doing some great journalism, some great info, but it's really hard to get people to go and check that out. Yeah, no one's interested. I mean, look... <sighs> There's too much. I, I can go onto YouTube now, and I can I can type in "build me a house out of beer cans," and there'll be 400 videos of dudes who have done it. Right? There's nothing you can't find for free if you're willing to do in, which is one of the you know more popular comments at the moment, doing your own research. Um, but we're not talking about vaccinations. We're talking about you can find generally something that fits for you. Asking an athlete. My concern is that obviously they're conflicted and you'll get general stuff, but nothing specific. And they've also got to be careful too about advising someone to do something and then the effects of that. So if I was an athlete and I say to you, hey, go and run 20Ks this day and 10Ks this way, if you're going to do this and you know, I give you advice, you run off and do it and injure yourself. Are you liable for that in that information? What is the disclaimer there? Or you know, like where, where does the legality sit on that? Because we live in a litigious society. There's a lot of questions that are unanswered there you know yeah and i think that there's enough information out there for free that you can just find if you if you get off your butt and actually look for it um and then are they not yeah i don't know but the problem with podcasting right is that you know podcasting is a one-way conversation so if you're listening to us now and you disagree with this and you think i'm an idiot which generally a lot of people do you don't have a right to come back to me instantaneously because this was recorded by the time you're listening to it. It's been recorded a couple of days ago and I'm long gone and you know out of the country so I don't get harassed. But if you want to interact with someone, that's, you know, there's a there's mediums for that. And the idea of social media originally was that connectivity with professional athletes and celebrities and things like that, that you could feel part of their life and they could invite you into intimate places and get that behind the curtains kind of look. And it still holds true to that because people like a behind-the-scenes stuff. If you've seen any of the major sports where they tape a microphone to one of the athletes and you know let them go around for the day, you get a really interesting insight. At the same time, it's still a one-way conversation. What social media platforms are trying to do, because if you if I you know if I live tweet somebody or I you know I, I DM somebody on Instagram or whatever I'm going to try and do, they're not going to respond straight away. 
So it's still a one-way conversation. What channels are trying to do is open up a two-way conversation. So, you know, where you could be doing, you know, for example, a real-time podcast, which, you know, few people have managed to do. And that then just becomes radio, you know, and having worked in sports radio for, you know, 15 years, I can tell you that it's, you know, the, the sole bread and butter of that is making conversation with the people driving around in their cars and listening in their houses. So social media is trying to evolve into a conversation and this is just a way to do it, albeit a delayed response because you'll ask one of these guys a question and then, you know, X amount of time later, um, you'll get a response, but you won't get one straight away and it, it may be just a tailored mind. I don't know. Um, but I, <laughs> the other side of me says if you're a professional athlete, you're a commercial entity. So anytime you can make money, you should have a swing at it. Maybe that's where they're heading now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, again, and there's none of us disagree that um, pro triathletes are not paid nearly enough. No way near it. So any way that they can sort of augment that, totally. Uh, you know, I'm 100% behind. I just, yeah, I struggle with this one, obviously, <laughs> based on uh, based on all, all of that. So it will be. Yeah, I'll be entertained to see how this goes. And, you know, as I said, hopefully there is some sort of happy medium between what's out there and, and people do embark on it. But yeah, it's just, it also seems like a lot of money for you know, 15 bucks a month. Uh, it just seems like an expensive. That's US, uh, expensive dude. App. That's US. By the time you convert that to Australian, that's like a house mortgage payment. <laughs> that's like 20 well that's you know that's how i got the 223 right like i converted that to canadian multiplied by yeah. 12 and uh off i went so that's like two um, like australian that's probably 20 like that's more than a you know spotify and uh netflix combined uh, yeah. yeah you know but look as lucy charles did right in your article there no one's forcing you to pay money yep so she said she'll still answer questions on her platform, but how does that differ from what she's going to do on the other platform? Like, so if she answers anything on Instagram, does that mean if I'm paying money on um, any question, I'm getting ripped off? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the challenging one. So, uh, you know, I guess she would argue that, oh, well, there are other experts who can pipe in on any question. So if you have, you know, because I think there there's a few, um, you know, Dr. Dan Plews and uh, Jan's coach uh, is in there as well. So, um, uh, yeah, so I guess there is the opportunity to talk to some experts, uh, quote unquote experts or coaches and that kind of thing that wouldn't be on her site. Mm. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold. Who, who am I? <laughs> Who am I thinking of here? Uh, why can't I find that name? I think um... Dan Loran. There we go. Uh, Dan Loran is uh, Jan, and um, he coaches a few other people as well. So yeah, look, good luck to him. I but you know they'll they'll uh, you know in the world there will be a market for it, and they might get uh, they might get something out of it. Um, I don't know. Not for me. Not for me. I might, so I might pay I the 25 bucks my, uh, and challenge Yarn to a table tennis game. 
<laughs> there you go. Maybe that it would be worth it for you. He'd play for if you were part of that, as long as you uh, guys streamed it or whatever. Do you know what though? Um, the reality of that is is that if Jan and I ever faced off in a table tennis game, he'd probably still wipe the floor with me. I can't imagine he does anything poorly. Yeah, oh, I, I am quite confident of that as well. Um, I've got a pretty good backhand, though. My backhand works. To you, but... I've got a very good backhand. Very good backhand. Okay. Hey, I, I, believe me, if I... Uh, well, and hopefully once Jan, once the world comes to normalcy and, and he's down uh, visiting Emma's uh, family or spending time down there, um, you guys will have your opportunity. You can make the chip, trip out to the Sunshine Coast or wherever it is that uh, they hang out and you can uh, have that match. And if possible, I will come down and uh, you can take photos mm. and, and uh, document mm. it. Well, there's a, at where I work, there's this bunch of suck faces who run a um, table tennis comp at the end of the each year and it's invitation only. I never get invited. So I've been training all year <laughs> in the hopes that Mick Nickel, this is for you, your wiener, um, that I'm going to be, you know, invited into the inner sanctum and uh, destroy some dreams. That's that's the plan. I'm just looking to destroy dreams. Um, Kevin, I think we've cruised through some interesting things in this one. This has been an interesting um, podcast. And uh, just before we go, if you don't mind, I would love your take mm -hmm. Uh, since, you know, with your cycling background and all that stuff, Iron Man taking on full gas. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, and the anticipation of Iron Man starting up its own uh, sort of training app and everything. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, this is part of the, I would think, the Iron Man group's ongoing um uh, attempts to keep athletes in their ecosystem, right? So, yeah, my you know VR series and all that sort of stuff started to come into play. The advent of um, Zwift being so popular, um, Zwift got very clever and signed up the likes of Fredino um, and Garrett Thomas and some big names to be their headline act. And why wouldn't you? Because clearly, it works for them as being the superb. Um, peddlers that they are um, but what they're trying to do is integrate this into an entire ecosystem so that they got you covered digitally they've got you covered ironmanly they've got you covered um, in a mountain bike race in a half marathon a full marathon whatever you're doing you're spending your your um, money in that ecosystem and that's essentially what I think they're trying to do. And look, it, it makes plenty of sense to me because there are plenty of people who, I hate the name, can I just say that, full gaz, I can't stand it. Um, Zwift <laughs> is a lot cleaner of a name. Um, any name that I kind of got to look twice at, I'm not wrapped with. But in saying that, it makes perfect sense. And, and as we've sort of discussed on this podcast a number of times, um, you know, if you're not going to race an Ironman this year because you've got personal you know kids you've got um other personal commitments you've got work commitments 
but I still want to do something because I'm an active person. So what do you do? You go, okay, well, I could do this or I could do that. Or I, you know, they don't want you searching outside of the bubble. They want you inside their world and inside their bubble, spending your money there so that you stay contained. They keep your data and that they are able to use you as someone who goes, okay, I won't race Ironman this year. I'm going to go do a bunch of this stuff, which will include some full gas stuff. And they're going to come back to Ironman in a year's time and, and you're still there. So, you know, um, yeah. it's certainly uh, something that is being considered. And as we've said this time and time again, there's a lot smarter people in the uh, triathlon world than us two. But what would Zwift do now in response? And what sort of package are they offering to bring someone off a platform that is – you know, clearly a world leader. Now I don't do this stuff. I don't do, I do have a stationary bike, which I use, but my stationary bike was built in 1991 and I still use it now. <laughs> I don't want to change because. Yeah. And I'm a, yeah. I'm a big rollers person. Yeah, there so you go. We I, are the yeah, wrong I, dudes. I don't, I've done Zwift a little bit, but, um, <clears throat> and, and yet there are smart rollers out there so I can, can, jump on that but yeah i haven't been a huge zwift type person so no but um, i say the i guess iron man iron man would argue that uh down the road people will um go jump over to that platform to be able to ride the courses right yeah. the 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 courses you know and and it's interesting because i was i was in the office the other day and somebody was talking about computrainer you know computrainer started all of this mm. um with the the real the real world courses a real course I can't remember what it was called yep. but you know started this process and then it just you know was never able to really take off with it so um, now that Ironman basically owns that platform and will do all of that you're it'll be interesting to see um, how that uh, how how many athletes jump on that bandwagon because it is nice I, you know I had an athlete who came over and rode the uh, Ironman Canada course um, once a week for almost a year. So when she got to Penticton, um, she'd ridden it so many times on the CompuTrainer, she had a you know, decent feel for what that was all like, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there, there's definitely some training benefits to doing that. And I think that's what Ironman is hoping for. And, you know, I guess... Hey, they got to figure out a way to turn it into a billion dollar company, right? So, yeah. This is um hopefully I I guess a step in that direction for them. Yeah, and and as you said, if Zwift don't own the rights to the any of the courses and Ironman has all the courses dialed in, then that then becomes a huge marketing selling point that any Ironman yeah. course is only found on on Full Gas versus Zwift. Um well, I mean, it would be it would make perfect sense, especially too. Like if you're like in, for example, in Australia, you're going out to race Kona and you have to spend a, a Melbourne winter. Or, I know it's not terrible, but it's winter still, you know, and you can't get out, or you know, you can still ride the course all the time, um, as you said. It, you know, and if Ironman has cornered their own and uh, you know on their own courses, um, then that's you know that's a powerful tool and a powerful selling tool to get people across. Absolutely. And I'm still just trying to get my head around you talking about Melbourne winter. Like, 
Uh, seriously? Hey, it got to it got to below ten degrees Celsius once. It was heinous. Oh my goodness! Like, how did you? Oh, my, I can't believe we you all guys had to wear puppy jackets. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I'm not complaining. You never talk cold weather with a Canadian. You just you're in for a hiding. Um, it's been a good chat. Forty seven or eight minutes on the dot. We're probably pretty good to uh, sashay our way out of here. Um, Kevin, always appreciate your work and your insight into this one and uh, make sure that if you are um, looking for anything, get on to Triathlon Magazine Canada because that is where the great man does and plies his trade. Well worth a look. Kevin, uh, I will catch you in a week's time, my friend. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Phil. All right, folks, if you like us, Tell your mates, get on to Instagram, The Life of Try. We are floating around there as well, as the man will tell you in just a second. Thanks a lot for uh, listening to us. We appreciate it. I appreciate all your comments and feedback as well. Uh, You can find me at Phil Walker on Twitter, uh, where you can ask me a question for free. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.